Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Vegas Therapist. I am your host, Ryan Winder. And remember, what's happening in Vegas is not staying in Vegas, as I bring you helpful tips and all sorts of topic areas, with a Vegas twist of course. So let's get the show started. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's good to have you back in for another episode of The Vegas Therapist. Sorry it's been a while, things have been hectic, life's been busy, kid graduating, uh, the move, everything that's been going on, lots of stuff's been happening, so it's been a hectic time for us, still settling into the new location, building the business, continuing on with things in Vegas, so it's been a great time, but it's been a busy time, uh, but I'm glad to be back and to be back doing another episode, and and uh, I appreciate the support during the time away um, and the continued listening that's been happening. Uh, remember, uh, it's been a while since I reminded you, but you can always go on to Apple, iTunes, and rate and review the show. Again, that helps the popularity, gets it out to more people, so I appreciate that. And also the Facebook group page, uh, The Vegas Therapist Podcast, Brian Winder. Um, you can join that and be a part of the community. Um, you can reach out, ask questions, make comments. Uh, this last time I asked people for topic ideas and got some great responses. So be patient. Your episode or topic will be on the way because um, I thought all of them were great topics. So I appreciate that. And again, you can leave your comments or any suggestions that you want on that page uh, as, as a topic idea. And I'll be happy to make an episode for you. So anyway, today's topic is the, the notion of good enough. This idea of good enough is such a big topic. I probably won't be able to do it justice, but I know it's something that we all struggle with. It's something that we all feel at times, uh, the notion of, am I good enough? And I came across this question in a psychology today article that says, how am I doing at life in the eyes of others? Am I good enough? That thought or that question is unmatched in its capacity to both motivate and shame the human spirit. So just think of that dichotomy. It's such a motivating thing, but yet a shaming thing as well if we find ourselves on the other end of not good enough. It is sometimes asked explicitly and daily. It's more often an unconscious thing that just resides there our entire life, directing our affairs with the precision of a high-end wedding planner. That question am I good enough, can shove us into a career we loathe. It can convince us to surgically alter our faces. It can induce us to buy a particular car. It can also propel us to cure disease and produce amazing works of arts and even mow our lawns. The grip or the control the I am good enough question can have on us extends itself in so many areas of life. It can be overwhelming to think, of even changing the simplest part of it. Recently in my practice, I've seen this play out in a number of ways. One of the ways is even in the grieving process, a place that you feel like would just be uh, more sacred, more special, more individual. But even there, um, it's, we worry about how we will be, will we be good enough in our grieving? How will we be viewed in that in relation to others? Should I be sadder? Do people think I'm cold? Will they think I'm, I've moved on too quickly if I answer the question, I'm doing well? In other cases, I've seen people disconnect from their own feelings in order to comply with the, the idea um, or the feelings that they should be having in the eyes of others, or even just in order to feel like they are enough. This 
is very heartbreaking in so many ways. Our need to feel enough and accepted in the eyes of others becomes our guiding force and we lose track of what our own reality is. And not even just our own reality, what our own dreams, our hopes, what we want for ourselves can be lost in the notion of, am I doing, am I enough, am I good enough, especially in the eyes of others. Um, It can suck us up and before we know it, we're living our lives in accordance with that and that's just the direction that we're going. This pursuit of being enough is like a religion because like other religions, it's a robust system of meaning making that operates at an emotional and cognitive level. It guides our decisions, it contains its own morality, and it's flooded with rituals and and is practiced by a mass group of people. However, the religion of enough and how do I compare in the eyes of others is a dangerous game. And yet, many of us are unaware of the degree to which we compulsively lay our lives at the foot of its altar. So in some sense, it's, it's so woven into the, into our way of being so integrated at the machine layer of our ideology that we really must listen closely in a quiet inner space to hear the ever buzzing anxiety it produces. Am I doing all this well enough? It's pretty heavy. Uh, it's, it's very intense. And again, it, something that I feel like we all are impacted by at some level, you know, this quest to feel enough. Um, it's a part of, it's a part of us. And unfortunately it's an escape inescapable for you humans not to yearn for their basic sufficiency to be reflected back to us. We long for inclusion. We long to feel enough. And what's more powerful than our yearning for inclusion is our terror and our fear of exclusion. That would be being relegated to a place of picking up the scraps of life left behind by those who are really living, or at least that we perceive to be really living. Did you feel that? Did you notice something as I talked about that? Maybe it was a thought or a memory, a time when you felt that way in your life. Standing on the outside, feeling excluded, feeling not enough. I felt it. I've been there. I've noticed that it's not a good feeling. And that because it's not a good feeling, it makes it understandable as to why we try to avoid that, why we want to feel enough. But where does that pursuit end? When are we enough? That pursuit can be endless. We keep climbing but what is the actual destination? There's a vague notion of something that awaits up there that will feel like some sort of arrival, maybe a shimmering Eden perhaps, where all feelings are pleasant. Since no reality could possibly match our unarticulated fantasy, it never feels quite right. For so many reasons, this unquenchable longing produces a crisis a crisis that the more fortunate ones become aware of and a crisis that we must confront. Yes, we must confront the need or the feeling to be enough, to feel good enough in the eyes of others. Many others though, simply keep climbing until the ladder simply just gives way. It's too difficult. It's too hard. Can't keep up. And we just lose a sense of hope that we'll ever be enough. The fallout to that can be devastating for not only the individual, but for many around them. 
as we lose a sense of hope in our lives to feel that sense of inclusion, to feel that sense of belonging, to feel that sense that we can be enough in the eyes of others. So where does this fear of never good enough come from? Where does it resonate with? According to Brene Brown, its roots are in scarcity. And in her book, Daring Greatly, she quotes Lynn Twist, who in her book, The Soul of Money, refers to scarcity as the great lie. This is something that she refers to in her book. She says, for me and many of us, our first waking thought of the day is I didn't get enough sleep. The next one is I don't have enough time. Whether true or not, that thought of not enough occurs to us automatically before we even think to question or examine it. We spend most of our hours and days of our lives hearing, explaining, complaining, or worrying about what we don't have enough of. Before we even sit up in bed, our feet touch the floor, we're already inadequate, already behind, already losing track of things, already lacking something. And by the time we go to bed at night, our minds are racing with a litany of what we didn't get or what we didn't get what we didn't get or didn't didn't get to or didn't get done that day. We go to sleep burdened by the thoughts and wake up to that sense of lack. This internal condition of scarcity, this mindset of scarcity lives at the very heart of our jealousies, our greed, our prejudice, our arguments with life, and of course, our feeling of enough. It's all around us. It's what is put into our thought process. Scarcity is the never enough problem. The word scarce, meaning restricted in quantity, scarcity thrives in a culture where everyone is hyper aware of lack. I would say we live in a hyper-awareness society. We can see into the lives of others like we never have before. We know what people do. We know where they go. We know how they vacation. We know what they wear. We know what kind of houses they live in. It's all around us. We can see it. We just have to go on Instagram, Facebook, wherever it is. We can see the kind of lives, that, the, the, the kind of things that people have, which then leave us feeling like, what? Un not enough? How do we compare? How do our lives seem to be in relation to a cousin, an uncle, a celebrity, whoever it may be um, that's out there for us to, to, to see and, again, to be hyper aware of? So because of this hyper awareness, we spend an, inordin an inordinate amount of time calculating how much we have, how much we want, how much we don't have, how much more everyone else has, um, how much everyone else needs, wants. And obviously this just drives the, I am enough, am I enough question tenfold, uh, scarcity though, uh, it has three components that it, that it needs to, to kind of thrive. And the first one is shame. So shame is in essentially the feeling of not being good enough. So the belief that we're not good enough is going to drive us even more. So, uh, comparison is another part of scarcity. Again, we're going to look at what we have versus others. And if we find ourselves wanting, then how do we get more? How do we, you know, achieve more in our lives? And then the third part of scarcity is disengagement. And I thought this was an interesting component to it. But when you think about it, it's definitely there because with disengagement, we just stop being vulnerable and sharing our stories. We don't really want to connect with people because we don't know what's on the other side of that. If we reach out, if we share, if we talk about things in our lives, 
is it just going to reinforce that we're not enough? Is it going to reinforce this feeling of less than? Is it going to reinforce if I'm not doing good in relation to other people? And so we disengage. We don't talk. We don't share. We don't come together anymore, uh, which a big, which is a big part of you know what Brene Brown talks about as far as just being vulnerable, being open, connecting, uh, and and I think a big part of getting rid of this feeling of not being enough. Um, so what's then, as we talk about this and we kind of understand what scarcity is and we know what it does and we know how this notion of not enough just kind of, you know, runs through our lives and drives us and, and creates reasons for decisions and, and things that we do, what's the answer? How do we escape the lie that Lynn Twist refers to? How do we manage this feeling of not good enough or how do we manage the feeling of not good enough in relation to to others or to what we think others have or don't have or whatever it may be. I think part of the answer is, is developing a healthy interdependence. And I think that can be the gateway to both surviving and thriving, but what is that healthy interdependence? And I think part of it is, you know, feeling sufficient and knowing that you're deserving of feeling good enough, knowing that that's there for you. Um, feeling sufficient or enough though is a process and that process requires us shifting our thinking to the idea of abundance. And again, Brene Brown talks a lot about this notion of abundance. And as we shift to a feeling of abundance, the focus is on, I guess, what we have versus what we don't have, feeling enough. But scarcity, you know, again, it creates this enough dilemma and abundance, I feel, resolves it. And the abundance I'm referring to is not in obviously things or money or stuff or vacations or whatever it might be. It's more of a perspective that's that's developed through gratitude. Cultivating and practicing gratitude helps us to feel a sense of abundance and sufficiency in our lives. I know in an earlier episode, I referred to the a sense of being more happy in our lives and how do we how do we find happiness? And I referred to the book Solve for Happy. And in that book, he talks about the principle of looking down. And really the notion of looking down is kind of us stopping what we tend to do, which is to look up and do comparisons. But really the notion of looking down is to create a similar feeling of abundance in the sense that we look at kind of what we have. We start to focus on what we have versus what we don't have, but we also look at what we have in relation to others, what others don't have. Now, again, maybe that sounds like, counterintuitive because it's a, it's a level of comparison, but it's really based in the sense of, it's really based more in a level of appreciation for what you have, appreciation for what's there. And again, this notion of trying to, to have more of a sense of abundance in our lives. And I think creating that abundance mindset, again, it's a mindset, just like the sense of scarcity is a mindset that we can have. Abundance is a mindset. Um, and so we have to really work to develop that. We have to cultivate gratitude. We have to try to focus in on feeling enough through that mindset. Um, and I think that's going to take time. It's not going to be something that happens overnight. And so I think when we try to make this switch, we have to be mindful of that, that going from feeling not enough or feeling a sense of maybe not feeling sufficient or feeling like you have what you should have to, to flip that over is going to take some time. 
So as we started with the question of how am I doing in life in the eyes of others and am I good enough, hopefully, hopefully you have a sense of how persuasive that question is in your life. You know, what grip does it have on your decision making? And as you kind of come to that sense of what it does have or what, what, le- what role it does play in your life, this will help you to know, I guess, how much work there is for you to do in that. And once you understand that, once you sense and know how pervasive it is in your life, you can begin to work on the abundance, the gratitude and feeling sufficient. And that's really where it's got to take us. We got to, we got to move in that direction. We got to give up those things that the, the thought processes that just drive home this feeling of scarcity. And I think we can do that by utilizing things like gratitude and feeling, feeling abundant, feeling enough with where we're at and really just focusing on those things. Um, I kind of wanted to, been, been debating about this a little bit, but just wanting to finish up with a little bit of, you know, when we think about this idea, just like, you know, in, in terms of comparison or this idea of feeling enough, um, you know, it, it's something that, you know, when we look around in our life and we see people and again, maybe it's, a, it's a negative thing, but it's, it's more of a comparison in a positive way, I think, or just maybe just looking at how other people live and how maybe they might might have this sense of they feel sufficient, they feel abundance, or they they can live life in this sense of I'm enough. And it's kind of neat when you see it because it's almost something that you you want. Again, you want to be enough, but it's in a it's a I feel like it's maybe in a healthier way, and maybe that's just a justification. But I just wanted to kind of pay a tribute to this person. Um and unfortunately, they're no longer with us. And and I don't want to claim any kind of, you know, I mean, I knew this person. It's Mitch Ball. For those of you who may know him, some of my listeners know him. But as I kind of just sat back and and listened to some of the comments about Mitch and and knowing Mitch a little bit, played some softball and, and did some umpiring with him at the softball level and just again, just kind of looking at the, the tributes that came in to him as, as he passed on from this life. Um, I feel like he, he had this part figured out, like he just, you know, things were enough for him, you know, in kind of this simplest way. Um, you know, he had an opportunity in his umpiring to go on and pursue, you know, a career in that to where he could have, you know, I, I'm assuming from the story I got or that I read, um, you know, could have maybe taken him to the, an elite level of major leagues or whatever it is, but he decided where he was at was enough. And that the things that were more important to him was family and being with family and just, you know, having those relationships. And it just made me think about, you know, what I've made that same decision, what I felt like that was enough and that, uh, you know, I was good enough in where I was at and I didn't need to prove myself any further. But I just really admired that 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 quality that he portrayed in his life. And he just seemed like he was able to operate. And maybe, maybe he hit it well, maybe he had his own insecurities. But from what I saw in the way that he lived his life, it didn't seem like he struggled with that in, in the way that many of us do in, in terms of comparing and being worried about, you know, are we living up to something or are we, you know, are we enough? 
And uh, so I just wanted to pay tribute to him in, in that way, because I feel like that's the kind of role models that we need to be looking towards is the people that just are able to manage that or have that quality about them and then reflect back in a, in a way to how do we do that ourselves? How do we start to feel just okay and enough and, and have this sense of abundance for what we do have in life and feel grateful for what, what we're given. And I think as we do that, life will become so much better and fulfilling for us. And I think it becomes so much more enjoyable because we're not in this rat race to achieve something or to climb that ladder to this, this, place that may never come. And I think as we are able to do that, we do appreciate the things that we have more. We do feel more of a sense of abundance for what we have because we're appreciating as we go. We're not just diminishing it because, Hey, that's just one more step on the ladder to something better. It's like, Oh no, this is great. This is wonderful. I love this. I need to appreciate this. This feels good. And we take it as it comes. So uh, hopefully this was helpful for each of us and, and we can kind of reflect on where we need to be and where this kind of resonates with us as far as like how much it, it manages our lives. And if we need to make some adjustments, we make those adjustments. This is the Vegas Therapist signing off until next time.